And people that are in the skilled trades have this culture, this culture of learning that they're always uh, watching YouTube videos, reading books, keeping up with the new technology. And I find that the best tradespeople, the ones that really, and not, not best talented, not best earn the most money, but best love their job. Uh, they just got a passion for continued learning long after the classroom stops. Uh, the learning continues on the job, and that's what really makes them very happy with what they do. According to data from Stanley Black & Decker, almost 80% of young people and their parents are worried about how they'll pay for college and whether it's the right path for them. A career in the skilled trades could be the answer. The research also found that many young people hold misconceptions about trade careers, yet the vast majority of skilled tradespeople said the jobs are in high demand. Are there significant financial incentives to pursue a career in a skilled trade? Can we close the skills gap by exposing more students to trades? This is what I want to know. And today I'm joined by Brian Hughes to find out. Brian Hughes is the president of Hughes Environmental Engineering, one of the oldest and largest mechanical service providers in the New York City area. Beyond his current role, he also serves as senior vice president and treasurer of the Mechanical Contractors Association of America, which serves and supports over 2,600 mechanical service firms. He began his career in the trades as a supervisor and location manager for Ryder Integrated Logistics. As the fourth generation business owner and president, Brian joins us today to discuss career opportunities in the skilled trades for our youth. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, Kevin, thanks for this great invite. I tell you what, uh, what you're doing is so important, and I want to talk about the trades generally, but this idea of school to career has finally taken hold. Um, a lot of people understand that while a college degree is important, that there are a lot of skilled jobs out here that are available for young people. Talk about the trades. But before that, Brian, how did you get into it? I mean, I know it's sort of a family business for you. You've been doing it for a long time, but you stuck with it. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question, Kevin. You know, as you know, um, I have a, a bachelor's degree from Williams College. I studied political science, but to go to college was not part of the plan uh, to take over the family business. My <laughs> parents, uh, they never had the benefit of a four-year college. They went directly to the workforce after high school. So to send me to college was not to prepare me to enter the family business as the fourth generation owner. It was to give me an opportunity to do something else. So I didn't have to go into that for, for lack of any other choices. Well, what changed? Uh, so was, I mean, why did you, after going to college, you sort of went against what their expectations were? Yeah. Uh, they wanted to make sure that I had the, the educational uh, background to go do anything, you know, go in the corporate world, go do my own thing. Uh, but, uh, after working uh, out in the corporate world for a Fortune 500 company for four years, I think I got frustrated with the bureaucracy and figured, you know, maybe I give this thing a chance um, and maybe I can run this business too. And that was that was 25 years ago. Yeah. And you're still doing it. And you said fourth generation. I mean, that doesn't happen every day in America. Talk a little bit about the business and, you know, really its roots, how it got started. And on top of all of that, Brian, 
how you're able to maintain the business after all these years. Yeah, well, thanks, Kevin. Uh, really, the, the business started in 1935. My grandfather and great-grandfather during the Great Depression moved from Pittsburgh, uh, where things were really, really bad, to New Jersey and New York, where things were only just really bad. <laughs> so we started up this business and, and got into a new technology, uh, you know, industrial refrigeration and air conditioning was invented, but it wasn't mainstream. And uh, the rest is history. Now, how big is your business? Uh, we have about 92 employees. Uh, about two thirds of them are skilled tradespeople that work out in the field with tools. The other third of the business is a combination of administrative and white collar workers, um, or people with blue collar skills that have been promoted um, over their career here. And, and when you talk about uh, two thirds are skilled trades persons, what does that mean? And what type of skills are we talking about? Great question. And we get that a lot. You know, what, what exactly defines a, a, a skilled tradesperson? You know, a good resource would be Indeed.com. You know, Indeed mm -hmm. lists 72, quote unquote, skilled trades, everything from automotive technician to carpet installer to pipe fitter. So anything where you're using to a combination of tools and your mind together to produce a benefit uh, for people out there in the workforce. I love that description. It's, it's simple and straightforward. Um, and I find that today's young people in the schools that I visited, they can connect with that notion very well because of their digital natives. And they understand this connection between the tools and the mind. Uh, how are you recruiting young people or how you recruit people generally to the business? Well, it's certainly one of our biggest challenges, Kevin. You know, we one of our, our biggest obstacles in recruiting people to come into the trades as opposed to going to spend your money for a four-year college education. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with a college degree. I have one, uh, but there uh, seems to be a stigma out there that uh, the trades is for people that are lesser educationally or don't have certain capacities educationally. And that's just not true. Yeah. You know, in our world, when you talk about people uh, for what I do for a living, uh, my industry, which includes uh, things like plumbers, sheet metal workers, pipe fitters, welders, uh, HVAC technicians, these are all essential jobs. And really, in a way, um, every day is a science experiment out there for your job. It's cool to be out there working yeah. on stuff. Yeah. And I, I do think that's the case. That's why I mentioned earlier that a lot of kids today are drawn to it because even in the video games of today, they're trying to fix something or solve something. So it's more than just sitting in a classroom being lectured to, and then, you know, spit out what you memorize. It, it really is about sort of active engagement and, it's interesting because uh, I was talking with uh, Virginia Senator Tim Kaine, whose father was a welder, and he is big on the school to career and the traditional folk education. But he even talks about the fact that um, there are these misperceptions about the trades. Uh, how can we address that? Yeah, and I don't necessarily, Kevin, view it as a binary argument where you know, you, you must go to college or you, you go to the trades. It yeah. can be a little bit of both. Yep. And, you know, you go back to your comment about uh, kids on video games. And for any of 
you that that you have listeners that might be parents out there. This is one employer that really encourages one video game that I love, and that's Minecraft. Yeah. Parents, do not pull Minecraft away from your kids. We love Minecraft because that it teaches kids teamwork. It teaches them to uh, produce efficiencies with limited resources. So uh, we we love kids that play Minecraft. That's that's a uh, that's a video game that gets thumbs up in the trades. We love it too. In fact, in in in, the, in a lot of the schools that we run, we've integrated Minecraft into our curriculum and other. Uh, you know, curriculum providers, school districts are doing the same thing. Um, you are uh, active in the me mechanical association, the trade association for folks in the trades. Talk a little bit about that work and how you all are trying to address this issue. Sure, Kevin. Well, in addition to my day job um, as a small business owner, I am the senior vice president and treasurer of the Mechanical Contractors Association of America. We call it MCAA, uh, which is an advocacy group for over 2,500 employers just like me, some smaller, many larger, and we employ over 100,000 skilled tradespeople in our craft. So 100,000 workers uh, showed up on the job this morning to work for one of our member companies, and we advocate uh, joining the trades, uh, getting an apprenticeship, learning some skills that can be used throughout one's career and not going through the, the situation where you might have college debt hanging over you. And one of the things that we like about it, we promote, is that you could easily uh, start a career in your early 20s and be mid-20s, late-20s and be earning over $100,000 a year, not having any college debt, and already starting to save for your retirement, whereas most American young people, they don't start saving until much later in life. The skilled careers more than just teach a skill that you could use to earn a weekly paycheck, but to build a foundation to leapfrog you ahead of some of your peers that you graduated high school with. I hope you're enjoying this episode of What I Want to Know one of the most downloaded K-12 education podcasts in the country. Make sure you don't miss any of these important topics. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast or social media platform. And leave a rating and review so we can bring you more of the topics you want to hear about. Now back to the conversation. You mentioned that the association uh, is involved in advocacy. What are some of the challenges that they see when advocating among, you know, local uh, and, and uh, federal uh, policymakers? Well, certainly we're in favor of apprenticeships. Uh, we like vocational school of, of all kinds, um, anything that you can learn. Uh, challenges. Obviously, we have challenges politically. We try to advocate for people that, that are earning hourly wages. Uh, to, to reduce their debt, increase their skills, increase their mobility, protect their pensions and their benefits. Uh, but it's it's not just the, the politics and to, to, to advocate for what we're looking for legislatively, but we also have people working against us that, that are trying to push people toward a college degree that might not necessarily need one. And one of the things that when we work with educators, Kevin, we try to explain to them, you know, you may want to be a little bit more open-minded when you look at a child and say, you know, he's not college material. And I'd like to offer 
maybe an alternative, more open-minded way of looking at things. You know, if, if you have a student that's particularly artistic, for example, those types of kids might make great welders, for example, because yes, welding is a skilled craft, but it's a little bit of artwork in there and it looks really yeah. neat. And it, and it takes a little bit of a creative mindset to be able to put two pipes together the right way. Uh, young people that are very good at math, for example, uh, can be very excellent carpenters because it's all math and carpentry uh, or electricians because there's a lot of math that goes into being an electrician. So sometimes when a student chooses a skill trade, we often find that when they become good at something, the, the hints were there years ago. And we're hoping that, you know, academia uh, will be open-minded to the fact that some of these kids actually have some skills that we're not seeing yet until we get out there and get them on the tools. You know, uh, Brian, I actually love that reference because, um, you know, teachers are in a power position when it comes to influencing young people. And one thing that we have seen as we introduce career pathways to young people in middle school, it is one amazing engagement tool oftentimes for the kids who are typically unengaged. So you introduce them to a pathway, they start working with teams, maybe they do something with their hands. Uh, it's, it's more than just sitting in a classroom for an hour and, and trying to take notes or pay attention. The long and short of it is they're more excited and engaged mm. around learning, which is, it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, and Kevin, we as employers are seeing that too. You know, when a, a, an 18 year old young man or young woman, 18, 19, wants to come into an apprenticeship program, for example, they have to produce their high school transcript. And sometimes the grades aren't there. You know, these could be students that are not, uh, to use that, that hackneyed phrase, college material, but they might have C's, they, they might be down in, in the lower ranking of their class. Uh, but that doesn't mean they don't want to learn that may mean that they don't want to learn what they were being taught, uh, but they do want to learn. And one of the things we love about the skilled trades is that it's not like you learn a trade and then you don't go back to school anymore, where you learn to be an electrician or you get your plumber's license. These are lifelong learners because as, as the technology advances, there are people that are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s that are still learning. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a culture of learning throughout the entire continuum of your career. You can't just say, well, I learned how to do what I do and now I'm good. It, they learn throughout their career, not just to get a certificate or a piece of paper. And that's what we love about the trades is that we catch on to somebody that really does wanna learn because they get excited about it. Like I said, for, for some of these young people, uh, they didn't like science class that much, but when they come get a job in a trade like ours, every day is a science experiment and every day is a field trip and they love it. They yeah. love it. You know, one other thing you mentioned, you know, the, the advocacy work that you're doing uh, with MCCA and the, um, we talked a little bit about the politics, but in spite of the crazy nature of today's uh, politics, um, this is one area where folks on both sides of the political aisle tend to find agreement. So what are some of the things that can be done to jumpstart the awareness? One area of common ground uh, is, is for working people, you know, people that, and I'm talking about the shower after work crowd, not the shower before work crowd, <laughs> uh, working people 
we legislatively need to remove every possible barrier in front of these people in order to make them succeed for themselves um, and their families and their communities. So we are in the barrier removal business, uh, not in the obstacle placing business. And most of the people would agree that we, we need to be removing every barrier possible to these people. And, you know, last week I had a chance to meet Mike Rowe. Um, and most oh, of yeah. your listeners will know Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs on the Discovery Channel. And Mike Rowe made a very interesting comment, which I thought was prescient. He said, we continue to loan money to students that can't pay it back to train them for jobs that don't exist any longer. <laughs> and that, that was very interesting because it's not a political comment necessarily, but you know, you, you read around Kevin that these technology companies can, can shed a hundred thousand jobs. And uh, yet there's 11 million unfilled jobs uh, in our nation. Uh, that people like me can't find skilled people for, uh, can't find skilled workers. So you hear talk about the labor shortage. Um, I, I don't know that there's a labor shortage, Kevin. Mm. I do think that there is a mismatch in skills where there are too many people being pushed to jobs that don't require what they've been trained for and not enough people coming into what the, what the economy really needs. Uh, so my my message to to academia, what what's what's being offered to us is not exactly a good fit for what we're looking for. And collectively, we have to get together to make some changes uh, to to improve not only what we're looking for for our society, uh, but also for the individual, uh, the yeah. individual worker that's coming out of school and coming into businesses like mine. And in terms of this idea of, uh, you know, where you find workers. Uh, that's why the power of the schools are so important, because we know that many uh, uh, young people who are graduating from schools, from colleges with debts, are pushed into certain areas of work. And even young kids who may be graduating from high school don't go to college, aren't aware of the skilled trades opportunity, they may end up going into the food service industry or the retail industry. Um, how do we break that paradigm? Because, you know, exposure is everything. And does your association work with schools, uh, work with some of the, uh, uh, the providers out there uh, who have apprenticeship programs? Because I do think that we need to integrate more of what the schools are doing with the opportunities that, you know, folks in your world are offering. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, our association, uh, we believe very strongly in apprenticeship programs. They do work. That work study model where you're getting uh, plenty of time in front of the chalkboard, but you're also out there using your hands, putting what you've learned in a classroom environment and putting it to use Practically, we believe in that work-study combo. That yeah. really seems to be the best model. Um, one of the things is I was looking at the trades that has come up, uh, and I know you and, and, and your the association have worked with this, is this perception that the trades are a male-dominated uh, area and that uh, there's been a big push to make sure that young girls and women know that they have a, uh, a role in, in being able to develop skills to work in the trades. Absolutely. Part of the removing the stigma 
uh, of of who belongs what and where. You know, the ultimate goal is to be satisfied and have the choice of what you want to do. And all of the building trades in particular, which I could speak to, uh, sheet metal workers, electricians, plumbers, pipe fitters, welders have done a great job uh, opening the door and explaining to young women, you don't have to go down these three paths that perhaps you thought were the most uh, ideal for somebody like you. So when there are a lot of job openings, uh, then the the flag is is waved and and everybody is invited in. So all of our workforces look a lot more diverse, not only with a, with male dominated, female dominated, but people who who don't speak English as a first language, uh, first generation immigrants. Uh, we we've got some great great people that have come into all of our trades. You know, one one thing that uh, we've seen is beyond, and you alluded to this. Um, there are a lot of young people who are graduating from high school and they uh, may not have necessarily gotten the skills that they need. They didn't go to college and they may even have a hard time uh, adjusting or getting into the skilled trade field. But there are these now adult learning programs where uh, adults are making career changes. Uh, they may go to a STEM boot camp or they may go to uh, some other type of uh, skilled trade uh, apprenticeship program. Uh, how does that fit in for those who maybe have finished their education, uh, are sort of stuck in a, a dead-end job and and still, there's still room for them to develop some of the skills necessary to get employed as a skilled trade worker. Yeah, great observation. You know, the the typical tradesperson doesn't necessarily start their career at 18, 19 years old anymore. We get lots of people in their 20s, early 30s. We recently hired a 42-year-old apprentice um, that basically had a 20-year career totally unrelated to what we do, but wasn't quite satisfied with uh, with mm. You know his vocation in life and he'll spend the next 20 years hopefully with our company it's never too late you know you shouldn't have any regrets about what you do and if you think that that you've made the wrong decision or you're not 100 percent satisfied in what you do i can tell you i'm a testament to that that uh the trades will be open-minded to older people that are looking for uh, a different way of life and, and something that where you don't feel fulfilled in an office or a cube there are lots of opportunities and there is no better time than now yeah. Uh, when it comes to schools being more open uh, and making the adjustments to allow for apprenticeship programs, I have heard uh, employers say in the trades field that school bureaucracy, some school bureaucracies can be a barrier to even getting good apprenticeship programs in place. Now, I think many schools are making sure that they are uh, making the necessary adjustments to work through those challenges. But what advice would you give to schools that are considering working with some businesses, developing apprenticeship programs? How can they make that easier for the companies? Well, one thing is to reach out. Um, we recognize that not everybody has uh, a vehicle by which to reach out to employers like us, but we do have associations that are open-minded and we will do the work. We will come to you. We have the resources. We will come speak for any schools that will let us in and have an audience, even for 15 minutes for some of the, the kids in your classroom that might be open-minded to our message. One of the things that we need as a society, Kevin, to break down is that 
you know, th there's a, a false premium placed on a four-year college degree. And particularly in some of our more upscale communities, there's lots of self-congratulation on their 99% college placement rate. But what they don't tell us is how many kids came back after Thanksgiving and said, mom, dad, this is not for me. We, we don't ever get that stat about how many don't make it through that first year of school. And uh, we want to get out in front of them so those kids don't waste that year. You hear things about a gap year, Kevin, you, right? That's yeah. a, oh, yeah. something yeah. that we hear a lot of uh, post-pandemic, a gap year. That's a great time. Uh, to look around and maybe take a test drive for something where you might work with your hands. Even if you wind up going to college, uh, you know, down the road, that's okay. You know, I, I have three kids and they're, they, two of them are in college, uh, but they also know how to drive a forklift and they know how to operate a commercial vehicle, make deliveries through New York City. So it, again, it's not mutually exclusive, uh, but you need to appreciate the trades and maybe th that they'll have some opportunities to do what they want, whether they have a college degree or not. So I have one last question, Brian, this is what I really want to know. And uh, for many people who are in the trades, you mentioned plumbers, welders and, and the like, uh, folks call on them when they need something or they may be behind the scenes. You mentioned operating a forklift, doing the work that needs to be done to make things go and make business work. Uh, what makes for a successful career in the trades? What do you feel makes them successful and feel successful? Well, th that's a very easy question. And the common denominator for all tradespeople that I find, and this is everybody from automotive technician to carpet installer to, to plumber, is they have a, 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 a burn to learn. There's something in the DNA that they're always learning. It's like a uh, a, a nonstop circular education where you learn how to do something and then you get better at it. You learn more. The technologies change five years into your trade. You need to get a new skill set. It's not like you learn to do one thing and you never go back in the classroom again. And people that are in the skilled trades have this culture, this culture of learning that they're always uh, watching YouTube videos, reading books, keeping up with the new technology. And I find that the best tradespeople, the ones that really, and not, not best talented, not best earn the most money, but best love their job. Uh, they just got a passion for continued learning. Long after the classroom stops, uh, the learning continues on the job. And that's what really makes them very happy with what they do. Well said, uh, Brian Hughes. Uh, thank you so much for all you do. And thank you for joining us on What I Want to Know. Hey, great having me, Kevin. Catch up soon. All right. Thanks for listening to What I Want to Know. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app so you can explore other episodes and dive into our discussions on the future of education and write a review of the show. I also encourage you to join the conversation and let me know what you want to know using hashtag WIWTK on social media. That's hashtag WIWTK. For more information on Stride and online education, visit stridelearning.com. I'm your host, Kevin P. Chavis. Thank you for joining What I Want to Know.